I think that's the other big conception is like, oh my gosh, if you get Botox and filler, you're going to look plastic. You're going to look fake. You're going to look X, Y, and Z. People think that because we can identify stuff that looks bad. Like we can all notice that when it looks good, you wouldn't know. everyone. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, and I'm so excited for today's guest. Before we get into the episode, I want to talk about bar classes. So I just got back from Houston, but when I was there, of course, I used ClassPass. So I'm mostly trained with my former trainer, but on the weekends, I would try some different ClassPass classes. And Houston has a great variety of classes and their classes are really good. So there's this one studio I went to. It's called Motif and they offer a variety of different classes, but I went to their bar class. I just did the classic one. They do offer power bar, which I thought was very intriguing. But after trying the classic bar class and realizing how intense it was, I was like, okay, I'm going to wait on the power bar class. But you guys, if you've never tried bar like me, it is actually a lot harder than I expected. I honestly don't know what I expected, but it is very challenging. I was sweating a ton in that class. It was for an hour and I burned a good amount of calories kind of the same amount of calories I can burn going to the gyms but yeah if you have ever thought about a bar class and you've never tried one definitely give one a try if you're in Houston I suggest going to Motif and trying it out it's really good they also have cycling and other classes but yeah I was just pleasantly surprised by bar class and I felt like my glutes and my quads were so sore the next day so bar classes are something I highly recommend if you are looking to try something new and switch up your workout Okay, so as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, I am so excited to have Janelle on. She is a cosmetic nurse practitioner and she's been doing Botox and filler for about 10 years. So she knows her stuff and she is really good. I was literally stalking her Instagram and looking at all the work that she's done and she does such good work. I did not realize that you could basically look like you got an actual nose job through filler. Chatting with Janelle and getting to learn as much as I did was so amazing. I learned so much about filler and Botox, so much so that when I'm actually ready to go and get those services, I am able to make a more informed decision. And I want you all to be able to do that as well. Honestly, I want to go to Janelle after speaking with her and seeing her work because I feel like she really knows what she's doing. She's done it for a long time. She has a lot of experience. Experience. And I love the education that she provides her clients before they even go into the procedures. So in this episode, we talk about Botox and filler, the differences, some misconceptions, what you can use these procedures for, safety and risk, as well as some skincare tips for those of us who aren't quite ready to get Botox or filler yet. So y'all, I promise you are going to get so much info out of this episode. So with all that being said, let's get into the episode with Janelle. So I feel like in my 20s, I heard so much about people getting Botox, but I feel like in the last few years, I mostly hear about people getting filler. Can you explain what the differences between filler and Botox are? Sure. So Botox, we use to relax muscle movement in the face. Like most commonly patients will do it into their like frown lines in between their eyebrows when they look angry or the horizontal forehead lines or maybe around the eyes. So Botox is just going to relax those muscles so they don't contract so forcefully. We can do different ranges of it. Some people still want to frown, but just not so hard. Other people say, I want to be frozen. So it really depends person to person on what their goals are and how we approach their treatment. Fillers are, think of like different types of gels that we have available to us to help lift the skin, help to like revolumize areas that have lost volume over time that happens with aging. Those are the differences there. For fillers, we'll usually do it. We treat the whole face, but commonly I do. Under eyes, when people feel like they look sunken or hollow, tired underneath their eyes. Um, Lip filler, you know, is super common when people are trying to plump their lips or hydrate their lips. Uh, Nose filler to fix little like asymmetries or bumps in the nose or create a contour. Jawline filler, (laughs) create definition. So cheek filler. So we can go anywhere with filler, basically. So I had never known that people get filler in their jaw and in their nose until I saw your page. And it's amazing what you can do with filler. 
yeah, it's pretty powerful what we can do without having to go under surgery. I mean, these procedures can be done in the office. It doesn't take a ton of time. And patients, like patients can see results really quick. You know, you'll be bruised and swollen, but usually that's pretty minimal. And they're able to just like feel a little more fresh. Yeah, that is amazing. Just going back to Botox. So if someone feels like they have wrinkles in their forehead, like when they scrunch their forehead, would that be more Botox and filler? Yes, more Botox and filler. Uh, okay, I think I get it. So which one is more common, Botox or filler? So I, I am a cosmetic nurse practitioner. I am very focused on cosmetic injections. That's like what I spend 95% of my day doing. I do both of them. And a lot of patients do both. I will say depending on the age, like if patients are like usually in their 20s, they'll kind of start with lip filler. That's pretty common there. And sometimes Botox, if they're just like, I want baby Botox. I think this term is they see on social media, but usually they're just meaning they want like a lighter dose of Botox so that they can still have movement and just like prevent lines from getting etched in. 30s, like that's more when people are looking at like volume loss in their face, the under eyes, um, the cheeks, and you know, some of the shadows on the lower face, like at the corners of the mouth. So people will use a combination of both. And I will say majority of my patients do both, especially because once you start this journey, like people like the way they look and they add it to their to their routine and they want to keep looking fresh. And a lot of things can't be served by just one Botox or one filler. Like we usually need a combination. That makes sense. So I know you mentioned baby Botox. Is preventative Botox real or is that like a myth? Is that I'm assuming that's why people get baby Botox for preventative reasons? Yeah. So it's true. <laughs> I I started injecting, I think I was 24 when I became an injector, 25, 25 when I became an injector. And I remember when um, the companies would like come in and talk to us about Botox and they would tell me, you need to tell patients they're in their 20s. I hadn't had any injections at that point. And I just thought, oh gosh, of course the companies are saying this. They're trying to like sell this and make more money. But as I started it, like seeing more and more patients and patients that would tell me I'm 30 and I thought they were 20 or I'm 40. I thought they were 30. They always look 10 years younger. And I was like, what if you, how do you look so good? And they were like, I've done little bits of Botox for a long time. And it really prevents the muscle from ever getting like prevents the lines from ever getting etched in because those muscles are relaxed. Wow. So I guess where you would get preventative Botox is going to depend on the person and where they have their lines. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, like people will do like frown, forehead, eyes. That's usually what I'll see like 20s and 30s. But I mean, I use Botox all over the face. Other areas we treat, I do a lot of like patients that have migraines or TMJ symptoms. So like jaw pain, clenching, headaches, grinding of the teeth. It really helps to relax those muscles so patients can like feel better and not be suffering in pain. Um, chin dimpling, patients feel like they have like pebbling on their chin. That's like a place we can use Botox. There's something called a lip flip. I know that gets- I've never heard of that. What is that? <laughs> lip flip. Okay. So that's when we use Botox above the upper lip. It prevents the lip from curling in. So sometimes when people smile, their lip curls in and they like lose the sight of their upper lip. Mm, okay. I know what you're talking about. So it helps it to like stay more flat. Um, it can also prevent like vertical lip lines. So this is usually when women are like older, they start noticing that they have vertical lip lines from like pursing their lips so much. So there's just so many uses. I use them on the bunny lines on the nose, as we call them, like when people scrunch their nose and they have like etched lines. So it really, it's so person to person, like just dependent on what their goals are and what bothers them. And I tell patients like, if this doesn't bother you, don't start poking in your face. So yeah. Okay. So if we did not start getting Botox in our early 20s, are we doomed? Like if we already had these lines etched in our face? You'll probably be fine. Like you're not doomed. <laughs> First of all, nobody like needs Botox and fillers. I, I love this stuff. I see patients and I do it all day. Like this is my job, but I really want patients to know like you don't need any of this. Like, what do I need? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you, you don't. We're beautiful without it. These are just little things that, you know, give patients, like I said, a little pep in their step. But no, I will say when I have patients come to me later in life, if they've never really like taken care of their skin, if they didn't start Botox early and they're very expressive. So sometimes this is women in their 40s, 50s, and they have lines that are like deeply etched. I let them know like, 
I can't get the lines all the way gone. So when they're already permanently etched in, they won't go all the way away and be super smooth as like a 20 or 30 year old skin, but we can prevent them from getting deeper and we can soften them some. So those patients will usually be like, dang, I should have started it. Especially once they see the results are like, this was like nothing. I've been so afraid for all this time and I, I look like myself still. So So I love that you mentioned that when nobody really needs it, it's more so if you want it because you feel like you want to enhance your face or just do the preventative work or just whatever. But I love that you mentioned that we don't need it because we are beautiful without it. So I think that's a really important point to make, especially just with because it is a lot more common now. So I think sometimes it can feel like you need it. I know. I I, again, I love this stuff. I've done everything to my face, but um, (laughs) I it's like this tricky line, you know, I don't want people feeling like oh my gosh, if I get Botox and fillers, that's going to make me prettier. That's going to make my mental health better. It can, but I don't want people trying to like rely on these treatments for that because that's just not it. And and like, this is not going to solve all your problems. So that makes a lot of sense. So who is a good candidate for Botox or filler or is literally everyone a good candidate if they want it? I mean, it's hard because I get just gorgeous people in my office. And I'm like, what do you want? Like, I I can always figure out something to do. But a lot of times I'm like, what are you doing this for? Like, that's kind of (laughs) what we're looking at. Like, why? Yes, like anyone can put Botox in their face. Anyone can put filler in their face. My approach with it, I mean, and, and there's so many different perspectives on how you can do these Botox and filler treatments. So my thing is like, I want my patients just to look fresh and a lot of the things that I do for my patients are like things that would go undetectable to others. What I hear my patients tell me is like, oh, I got carded when I went out. Oh, someone said, did I change my hair? Did I change my makeup? I don't feel like I have to wear my contour anymore. But they're not saying, oh, people ask me like, who did my Botox or who's my who's my lip filler girl? That's my approach. Like I really try to think about the aging face, like what's happening beneath the skin as we get older and as we're losing fat in our face or fat pads are sagging or where we're losing bone. So I mean, I like- Anyone can do this stuff, but I, it's just, again, like assessing the person. What are they trying to do? Why are they trying to do it? I don't want people just getting hyped up on, on like, I saw this thing on social media and everyone's doing jawline filler. So I want to do jawline filler and like their jaw is already great, or they're just not a candidate for it because maybe they have too much fullness where it won't make a good impact. So again, it's like every single person, even patients I've treated for my whole 10 years, Every time I see them in clinic, like we sit down, we talk about how was it? Should we change anything? What's bothering you? Like we go through it. Do people ever just like bring in a picture of a celebrity and are like, hey, I want to look like this? Um, My patients don't because they already kind of know my vibe and my style. (laughs) Uh, People that see me, they mostly find me from my social media or referral from someone else. And so when they see my work, my patients look like themselves. They look, like I said, refreshed. It's not anything crazy. It's stuff like if you just see, if you only saw after photos of my patients, you wouldn't think, oh, that person's had Botox and filler. Now, when I start showing the befores and saying, hey, here's what we've done over these amount of treatments, there's a big difference and you can tell. But the patient's look like themselves. Like I said, it's this thing where you wouldn't know. My patients don't come to me being like, I just want to look like XYZ celeb. Because if you look at my page, everybody has their like unique beauty that it it stands to. And I treat a lot of like black and brown women. And most like most of my patients are like, I really like the way I look. I like my features. I like my my nose. I like my lips, whatever. They're not trying to morph their face to be a completely different person. Now that's, that's for me. I'm sure there are, you know, other places. And if that aesthetic for that clinic or that provider is to be like, you know, glammed up and everybody looks like this one celeb, they're going to attract patients that want that. That makes sense. So have you ever had to, or not had to, but have you ever turned someone down because they just really didn't need it? Or is it kind of you have the conversation and they might come to that conclusion on their own? Oh, I mean, my patients, if they are listening, they know I will tell them no, like all the time Um, (laughs) and not in a mean way. And it's never like my way or the highway. Usually we're having a conversation and we're really talking about like, again, why is this going to balance with your face? Or, hey, I think if we do this, if it's not going to look right, I'll tell them. Like if it's something I wouldn't do to my face or my sister or my mom or, you know, somebody like I love and I love my patients. So I don't want to like mess them up just because they're like, well, it looks really good on this girl that I saw online. 
but I'll tell people like no all the time. It's like, should I do more on my lips or like, cause they, they kind of ask me like, what's your opinion? And my patients know I'm going to be honest. I really care about them and I don't, I want them to look good. And I, again, the ones that come to me, they already know my style and they already know like my approach with everything. So I'll tell people no. And they know it's in a loving way. If they really want it, like, hey, let's revisit and like, let's, I want us to be on the same page. Or if it's something that I'm just like, I can't serve you in doing this, they get it. I'll be like, hey, you can, you know, this might be a surgical thing, or I just don't think it's going to look right. Like, <laughs> so we just, we have those conversations. You know, if they really, really want it, you know, maybe we will, but I don't just like push it just because the patient says. That's yeah. Me. Yeah. I think that's important because at the end of the day, your patients are coming to you for your expertise. Like you're going to know, of course, we can see something on someone else and be like, oh my gosh, I think that's going to look good on me. Maybe I could do it. But then at the end of the day, like you're the expert. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And like I tell them, I'm like, this is one opinion. Like I'm not being the end all the all. I'm not the beholder of beauty. So mm-hmm. like if you are really like, I want these triple size lips than what I have right now. And if I'm like, maybe we can try double, but I don't think triple your lips is going to work. Like you don't have to stick with me. Like, you know, I'm not the only one <laughs> to say, you know, I tell them there's other perspectives. Main thing is the patient. But like, if I do something, I really want to stand behind it. Mm-hmm. And I want the patient and I to be on the same page. Like, and we are like, we, we just, we we have conversations every time. So I think that's really good. So I know you mentioned that we can get filler in a lot of different places. So are there different types of filler? Yes. So we have different types of filler um, that are FDA approved in the United States. Other countries will have a ton more than us, but we have like a pretty strict FDA approval process here. And um, I tell patients, like, I don't really talk about different brands online because I don't want someone coming to me and being like, I saw you did whatever there's different, I'm going to name some of the brands, Juvederm, uh, Restylane, uh, Radius on this patient. And so I want that. I don't do brands because the the type of filler I use and the amount and where I place it is, again, dependent on that person and their goals and what they start with. And I use different types of filler all over people's faces. I've had just about everything on my face. So I let the patients know like you can ask me any day, anytime. Like there's a lot of thought behind what product I'm using in you specifically for you in this specific area and like this amount, but there there's just different properties to them. So some are more flexible, some are thinner, some are more sturdy, something sturdy I want to use like along the jawline or the chin when I'm trying to do projection. If somebody, if I have a black girl come in and she has like full lips and she wants fuller lips, I have to use like a more robust product as opposed to a girl that has like thin lips and she just wants to hydrate them. I'm going to use a thinner product. So it's, it's super dependent on like where we're going and on who. Wow. It sounds like such a science. (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot of science behind it actually. And as I tell people, I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And I, I think what's important for like people to know as they're seeking out these treatments is like their medical procedures. You know, there are risks for complications for them, rare, super rare risk. But I just let patients know this is not just like getting a nail paint color or like changing up your hair color today. Like their medical procedures and you want to know like who's treating you, what their credentials are, how long they've been doing it. Like why are they using that specific product on you in this spot? Like they need to have an answer for you. They need to be able to know how to like manage complications and minimize the risk for complications. So yeah. And and I think just as it becomes more popular, people are doing this illegally. Like if they're not licensed to do it, they're getting, they're buying fillers offline. I've seen like ridiculous stuff. You can just buy, buy a box of filler, not from any of the like main companies, but you can buy something overseas. You don't even know what's in it. And people are, I've seen people online teaching how to inject your face as like a, just a regular person. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, this is not safe to do. If if you're doing this and you don't know how to handle any complication, you can cause like a major problem. So that's what I, again, I talk about safety with my patients. Like all these things are important to know before you just like randomly say, I'm going to go to this spot because there's a Groupon deal. Like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. I'm glad you mentioned that because just vetting the place you go to and the person that's going to be doing your procedure that that's huge because like you said I didn't well I have heard of some people doing it illegally but I didn't realize it was as common but yeah I think it's important to vet that because as you said it's a medical procedure like we wouldn't just go get a surgery from just any doctor if we needed a surgery so most of the patients that come to me again they already like they know me they've seen me social media or they've been referred yeah um 
So they know my background, but like when I was younger and I didn't, I've been, again, 10 years I've been doing it. So younger in the field and I, and like, just not as experienced. I've heard stories from patients being like, well, I went and I got like something in my butt. I was in a hotel room. I don't know what it was. I was like, well, what did the box look like? What what did this, like, I don't know. It was like in a red cup. Well, who was this person? Well, she doesn't speak English, but she flies from another country. I'm like, what the heck? Oh like, my gosh. You? She's like, now it's hard. Can you help me? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know like what this is. Like, I, I don't know anything about this. And wow. people do this. Like, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Do not. Please, people, please. Please do your research before you go to any spot and check the credentials. Yes. I, and well, now that I'm in my 30s, I feel like I've been considering to learn Botox a lot more, but I have this fear of needles. So I need to know, do these procedures hurt? They're, I know everybody's like so afraid of them. I let patients know like it's a poke. Like you're going to feel a needle poke. Um, If you can prep before by like eating something, that's going to help you to like not feel like you have a low blood sugar. If you can also prep your mind and be like, okay, this is a poke. This is going to be temporary. This is not going to be anything long lasting, extreme pain that will really help. Sometimes I have patients that are just more anxious. And if they're like <laughs> doing that, I'm like, you are going to pass out. Don't do that. It's it's a poke, but it's not, it's not this like long thing. And like, I have so many videos of patients online and they're just like talking through their procedures on poking their face. Like it's not horrible. And a lot of people tell me they kind of hype it up in their head. And when they get it, they're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> so it's really tolerable. You know, obviously if somebody has like this extreme phobia of needles, that's a different story, but like everybody is able to do it and they've been fine. Really good to know. So I've specifically been thinking about eye filler. I don't really know if I'm the right candidate. So like what does eye filler correct? So under eye filler we use when people feel like they're noticing volume loss or hollowness, sunkenness. Those are a lot of the words I hear um, when patients describe it to me that they're typically candidates for it. They're just like... This could be after weight loss. A lot of times late 20s into their early 30s, people will start noticing this. So like 28 to like in their 30s, they're like, hmm, what's going on? My eyes just look tired. My concealer's not covering the darkness like it used to. So it's going to like help lift that skin, help lift that volume loss. So light reflects off the face a little bit brighter. It's not going to take away fat pads. And we all have fat pads underneath our eyes. What are fat pads? I know I have creases. Is that is that what that is? No. So some people it's more visible. Like some people you can see like bulging. It looks like bags almost. Oh, so, okay. So those are like fat pads. But some, like we all have them. But like I said, some people stick out, some don't. I just let patients know like this won't take away that. This will, can camouflage the appearance of them. But like if you want to, removed or repositioned, that's a surgical thing. So it won't take away fat pads. It's not going to correct pigment that we naturally have. So typically most patients have it or under their eyes, it's either darker on the surface of the skin or sometimes the skin is really light and you can almost like see the blood vessels through. So it kind of looks purpley. I tell them the color is going to be the same. Like it's not going to change the pigment. But I will say, having said that, most of my patients, after they do it, because the skin is lifted and like light reflects brighter, they tell me, they're like, I know you said the color wouldn't change, but it just looks brighter on my eyes. Like it looks, it doesn't look so shadowed because you don't, it's not going to be sunken in anymore. So that's what I'll tell patients. It won't, it won't correct pigment. It won't take away fat pads. Another person that's not a good candidate for it is somebody that swells a lot underneath their eyes. So sometimes patients tell me, Every morning I wake up, I have to put ice on my eyes. I'm always puffy. I'm always crying. I'm always having really bad allergies. Those aren't good candidates for it because filler binds water. So anybody that's naturally puffy all the time, this can like fluctuate up and down <laughs> and you don't want that. So the eyes are like a tricky area to, to like treat. And so that is definitely one where you want to see somebody who's like skilled and can show multiple before and after photos of like patients and try to find eyes that look like yours. I think that's really important. And like, you just don't want to overfill the area because it can look bad for like a long time. Oh, that's good to know. And I feel like I saw someone on TikTok talking about their bad experience with eye filler on TikTok. So I can only imagine. What about the people like, so I have these creases like in my bag area. They're like creases, especially when I smile. So eye filler would not correct that. Mm, so filler typically is not going to correct the lines. Those creases might look a little bit softer, like more supported if you 
if you had volume loss and the creases were like deeper because of that volume loss, if you use filler, it'll be like plumped up a little bit so they could look softer. But usually those lines are caused from the muscle moving. So probably when you smile, I mean, you tell me, but like, <sighs> do they get deeper? Yes. Okay. So that's like because the muscle's contracting around the eye. So that's like where you can use Botox. Um, you can do it more on like the creases on the side of the eye. If it's directly underneath the eye, you have to be careful. We don't want to put too much Botox underneath. If you put too much, you can like weaken the lower eyelid and you don't want it to like pull down your eyelid. So a lot of patients have what you're talking about with the like the creases under the eye. And I tell them, look, Botox can help a little bit. It's not going to be gone 100%. You don't want to have like a saggy lower lid. Other than that, things you can consider like, you know, a good moisturizer, eye cream. You can do skin pin microneedling is really nice to help with like the fine lines on the eye. But really that's because you're probably just smiley and like the muscle moving. That is true. I'm pretty smiley. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I have recently, like within the last few months, I've been hearing about facial balancing. So I have this thing, especially now that I'm working remotely and I see myself on the Zoom camera, I feel like my face is not balanced. And I've heard about facial balancing. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to know more. And I just need to know who's a good candidate for this. Yeah, that's like a, a hot term I've been hearing the past couple of years, maybe on like social media as well. I do think exactly what you're saying. There's way more people working at home and looking at the camera all day. It's and so, oh, I hate it. <laughs> I that, hate the camera. That, like I will say 2020, that was, we called it the Zoom boom when we just, patients were flooding in because of um, being on camera and like looking at themselves and be like, oh shoot, I never had a stare at my my face. And this is what people are looking at. Like a lot of people felt that way. So facial balancing, it's really like assessing the full face and trying to make sure that, you know, different parts of the face are harmonized. So like what people, a lot of people will come in and want, I want perfect symmetry. And like, if they've watched my videos, they already know I'm going to say, we're not, that's not even going to like happen. When you do surgery, I, you're not even going to get perfect symmetry. Like we're going to be asymmetric from the way we chew, if we chew more on one side, if we sleep on one side, if we get more sun on one side. So I'm like, you're very likely always going to have like imbalances in your face. We can try to use like Botox and filler to minimize these asymmetries for facial balancing sometimes. So we have to look at like how, like the ratios of things. If someone has really full lips, full cheeks, full nose, and then their chin is like really short or set back, it might look like their lips are like dominating their face. So way to like balance some of those facial features. We talk about, hey, we can put some filler into your chin to like bring your chin forward. It'll elongate your jawline. It'll give some projection to the lower face. It's going to support the lips. So the lips are not like the main focus. And that could be like a balance thing. Sometimes facial balancing is somebody has a really square jaw, like a, a female typically they don't want to have a really full lower face or really square jaw. Sometimes that happens when they chew a lot or they have like TMJ symptoms, like the clenching and headaches and grinding jaw pain, like I mentioned earlier. And they notice like my lower face looks wide or it looks like I've been gaining weight like slowly over years, but I, I haven't been. So what we could do is put Botox into the jaw muscles. They're on the side of the face by the ears. We call them masseters and it'll relax those muscles. And over time, those muscles get weak and it can start to slim out. And so that'll help them not have like such a square face and to kind of make their cheeks pop and make almost more of a V shape. So there's just different things and it's going to be different each person. And even if you have a twin sister and you come in together, like it could be a different thing. So it's so individualized, you know, it could be, you know, from the profile, like I said, I talked about the chin. It could be like oh, their upper lip protrudes more than their lower and they want to bring down their lower lip. So we add more to the lower lip. It could be that when they smile, their nose droops. And so, you know, they want to put filler to make their nose look upturned. There is like so many different things. <laughs> but wow. again, so person to person. I know I feel like facial balancing is just like thrown around, but it's really like sitting down with your injector and having a good injector that can say, hey, this is what I think would like harmonize some of your features or hey, here's how we can minimize some of these asymmetries if they bother you. Because some people like their uh, their asymmetry, like their asymmetry or their crooked smiles and or their crooked nose. So I never just start being like, let's straighten this out. Like mm -hmm. it's, again, it's a person's own preference. 
Yeah, that's true. I do you. So I was talking to my cousin and I think she got some filler and Botox and I was telling her, oh, I want to get facial balancing. And then she was telling me that I'm probably be told that I'm too young because I don't know if that's what her injector told her. But I was like, huh, I just really feel like I I need it. So I don't know. Is there like is this something you typically don't do on people in their early 30s? Oh, no. That's I definitely treat patients in oh, like okay. for facial balancing come to me like twenties and thirties and their forties. I, I see all ages, but that's where like late twenties, early thirties are where a lot of people are like, "What's going on?" Like I hear it, like what's happening to my face? I woke up and like I don't know what happened, and you know, so I treat a lot of patients for that. Maybe you know somebody that I would tell to hold off on trying to like balance their face if they're like 18, 20, 21, like they still have like a lot of baby fat in their face. I call it baby fat, but I just tell Mm -hmm. them their faces are going to change. Like naturally they just have more fullness in their cheeks, in their mid face than what they're going to have. As I said, those like late twenties, we start getting a little more contour. And so if somebody's trying to like, and I get these beautiful young women, and I see men all day too, but um, that they're just like, you know, and if they're really baby young, and I think they're just probably saw something on TikTok and they're like, well, I want facial balancing. I'm like, your face is going to be balancing itself out (laughs) over these next few years. So (laughs) those people I typically will say, look, don't try to like chase this whole thing right now. If you, if you have something that's really bothering you, maybe we can do like I had an 18 year old, but she was in a, she had like a car accident. And so like one side of her cheek, it was like years ago, it was like flatter than the other. Okay. That's a different story. Yes. She's like, I feel very self-conscious about this, blah, blah, blah. I treated her, but not, you know, if someone's just like these hot girls and they're just trying to be, you know, the social media thing, I'm like, I can put all this filler in you, but your face is going to be changing <laughs> on its own naturally. And it's going to give you that own contour in a few years. So don't start overfilling it now. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they love your honesty because I know I'm loving it. I would love that in my injector. <laughs> like, let me know. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like if I do something, I better like believe in it and stand behind it. First of all, I'm answering to Jesus. You already heard me say that from the, from the jump. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I want people to feel beautiful. I don't want to, like, if, if they hate this, like, it would really make me feel really sad, first of all, because I, that's not what my intentions are. You know, anything I do, I want them to, like, feel beautiful, feel refreshed. Like, I get it. These are investments. And it's, like, a big deal to, like, allow somebody to <laughs> put a needle in your face. Um, so it's not something I, like, take lightly by any means. Yeah, I think that's really great. So once you get filler or Botox, are the results immediate or does it take a few days for it to settle in? So for Botox, after you do it, it's going to look like you have like beasting bumps wherever you got poked. I tell patients that's going to go down in like 15, 20 minutes. By the time you get to your car, that'll be chill. You won't see any effect with your Botox for like maybe three to five days. It could be longer. It takes up to two weeks for your Botox to have its full effect. So at that point, you'll notice oh my gosh, like whatever. Maybe I'm going to say we treated to frown lines and the forehead lines. Oh, and I try to like burrow my brow and like make a frowning face. It doesn't scrunch up so forcefully or at all, depending on how we dosed it. Or when I raise my eyebrows, I don't get those horizontal creases. So two weeks for that. I let patients know that so that they can plan. Like if you're planning for an event, you know, you want to give yourself time for this to like kick in. And if you need any like little areas you want to adjust, give yourself time for adjustments. For filler, you can see the result like right after we do it. The thing is I tell patients that this is not the final result. So you're going to be, you could be bruised. You're going to be swollen. You know, I was sticking a needle the product is not settled. Usually within like one to two weeks, patients there, you can see like a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like because a lot of the swelling is settled by that point, but it takes six to eight weeks for the product to completely integrate, completely mesh in with the skin where you'll see like your final results. And so every person I know, so like any person I treat, I like pre, you know, virtual consult with them before they even come in. So that they can prep, you know, if you're getting ready for a wedding, I don't want to do this two weeks before your wedding. I want to do this months in advance because when I do filler, I'm going to see you in more than one session. This is going to look different like after it's done settling. And so then we can like fine tune, we can add more later down the line. But um, I'm not just trying to like shove a ton of filler in your face and expect we're at 100% result after one treatment. So you mentioned session. So I guess it depends on how much filler you're getting on how many sessions you're going to have. Yeah. I mean, most people I'll see with like two sessions. So for like anything, and sometimes they're like, Hey, no, we hit it out of the park. You did it 
a hundred percent great. You're for like, I love my nose. I don't need to come back. I love my lips after one session. I don't need to come back. But most people, I want them to like prep just because, you know, once it settles, it settles. If I need to like, oh, you know, that, that bump that we treated on your nose, I can kind of see it a little bit more. I can still see it, not as much, but I still see it. I'm going to put like a little more in there or, hey, you really liked your lips right when I finished them, when they were swollen. Now that it's settled and like come down some, you want to add more because you want to try to get back to that initial like plump. So that's, I just tell patients expectation wise, it's not like an overnight thing. You didn't, you didn't get these like, you know, whatever. You didn't get this bump on your nose overnight. Like this is not, I don't expect this to be treated in just one session. Does filler last forever? Cause you said they think you like did it once and they don't need to come back or does it dissolve after a certain amount of time? Oh, they'll come back once the effects wear off, but like they might not come back within six to eight weeks. So they, if patients are like, okay, I'm really happy with whatever area of the face, um, my lips, they'll do maintenance depending on like their preferences. And if they want to go bigger, if they just want to like keep it the same, they'll come like within nine to 12 months usually to just maintain it. And at that point, it's not like the filler is all the way gone and back to square one, but most of the effects have worn off. And so that's when they'll want to do a little bit more. Wow. Okay. So that's still, that's a good amount of time that it lasts. Yeah. Um, and there's other areas that last longer. So it just depends on like the product. It depends on the patient, depends on the area we're treating. Like anytime I post a picture of my under eyes when I did them like six years ago, it looked ridiculous. And if I post those on social media, they always go viral because I had like really deep set like under eye hollows. And I have not redone my under eyes in six years, which is really cool. I've gone two pregnancies since then. And yeah, it's like held on. My other areas of my thing. Yeah. So, but that's also why you want to go to somebody that's going to help you get good results so that if it's lasting that long, it doesn't look crazy that long. True. So how long does Botox last? Your Botox will last like mm, three to four months, but that's also going to depend on the dose. So when they did clinical trials for Botox, the dose they did for patients was 64 units. They did 20 units in their frown lines, 20 in the horizontal forehead lines, 12 around each eye. Not everybody does that much, especially like we were saying earlier. Some people are like, I want baby Botox. They just want a lighter dose. I, I treat patients with lighter doses like in LA because half the people are on camera and they're like, I need to still frown. So maybe instead of 20 units, we're doing 10 or 12, which is a very small dose. I let those patients know this could wear off a lot. It's not probably going to last three to four months because that's not how they dosed it. And those patients typically will come in a little bit sooner than than three to four months. I have some patients that do way more units <laughs> than what they did in clinical trials and theirs last way longer. So the dose is going to help dictate that. But most people will get around three to four months out of it and do it a few times a year. That makes sense. So I've seen people talk about getting their filler dissolved. Why or when would you need to get your filler dissolved? So like the biggest thing I tell patients for we want to be able to dissolve filler is in case of any emergencies. So when I'm injecting filler and I was talking to you earlier about like complications and we want to be mindful of those, patients know we want to make sure that we're not blocking off blood flow. And we have blood vessels all over our face, all over our whole body. When you're putting filler anywhere in your face, your lips, your under eyes, your cheeks, your chin, I don't care where, like there's blood vessels and we don't want to put so much filler in any area that blood can't pass through like normal. So when we're injecting, um, things you want to be mindful of is that you shouldn't have any extreme pain. Like I said, you're going to have a needle poke, but it should not be like any extreme pain prolonged. You shouldn't have any vision issues. You shouldn't have, and your skin color should be normal, not like paler than normal. Those signs could indicate we're blocking off blood flow. And in that instance, as an emergent reason, you would want to dissolve the filler. I've been injecting, like I said, 10 years. This is like my only thing I do. And I've never had to dissolve anyone for any emergent reason. So it's really rare. And I've worked in big group practices prior to being on my own. I haven't had to see my my colleagues dissolve for emergencies, but I just tell them it can happen. So we want to be careful as we're doing those. So that's like the first reason you want to make sure your uh, provider has the ability to dissolve the filler before they start with you in case of emergency. So that's super important. And I don't know if Patients always know that as they're going into clinic, actually. And I I know I've had patients come to me to dissolve stuff from outside. And I was like, I'll tell them like, hey, have you talked to your provider? This is like for cosmetic reason. Like, oh, I don't like the way my lips came out. I went somewhere. I didn't like the person. I'll say, well, did you talk to them to dissolve? And they'll be like, well, they told me they didn't have dissolver in their, their clinic. 
Like that's super unsafe. <laughs> so that's like, if a hot tip I'm going to give you there is just make sure your clinic is equipped to handle the emergency. It's being able to get rid of the filler if we need to. Wow. Even though it's yeah. super rare. Super rare, but you want to be careful. If they're not equipped, like what the like what the heck? You're gonna you're stuck, mm-hmm. or you gotta go find someone else that can help you dissolve it. But at that time, it's an emergency. Um, so that's like the big reason you would like as a provider that I would need to dissolve something. And then other than that, it's like if somebody has oh um I don't like it. I don't like the outcome. I get these girls. They're like I don't know. I went to this random spot, I, <laughs> and then it ends up costing them more money to just not you know, to like, they went to a place because it was cheap or it was on sale. They didn't like the way it came out. They didn't really know anything about the provider. They didn't really see any before and afters. They just were like, I just want to get my lips done. Or I just wanted to get cheek filler. I just wanted to get under eye filler. Like, you know, people just say they want these things and sometimes they're not candidates for it. And then their outcome's not good. So that's a reason we would dissolve. I'm sure people have seen when lips look super puffy, like above the border of the lip. That's where you would want to like break that down. That that's not appropriate. You know, a lot of that happens if the area is overfilled. So like filler can't fit in the spot they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make the pink part of their lips bigger, but the lips can't stretch anymore. So just gonna go above the border and be puffy. You're gonna break that, you know, you're gonna dissolve that. Mm-hmm. Um other reasons for breaking down filler, if you feel like a lump or a bump, you know, that or if it's visible, take that away. But yeah, these things are again rare if you're like going to somebody who is experienced and has a reason for using the appropriate product in the appropriate place and not just because this filler is cheaper. There should be a lot of thought behind these things. Yeah. And I think it's great that you mentioned that some of these girls will go somewhere and they maybe don't do all of their research or they just was like, oh, this is cheaper than the place I was going to go to. So let me go. But then they don't like it and they end up having to go somewhere more expensive and spend more money. So I think that's important to mention, like, this is an investment. This is your face. So you might as well go ahead and pay for the person that you know is going to be more likely to get you the results that you're looking for. Yeah. I'm like, do it right the first time. It sucks because like when I'm helping fix the patients, you know, whatever, dissolve this, it takes multiple times to like dissolve it. It is more expensive to like dissolve it than like if they had just done it right the first time. And then a lot of times they're like, okay, now I want to get that area filled the right way then, you know, then they have to pay the other costs. So it's like, oh my gosh, this could have been just avoided by, by like taking the time. Don't rush this, like do the research. You know, I, again, I love this stuff, but I tell people this is not something you rush by any means. That makes sense. So I know you briefly mentioned this earlier, but what are the risks of getting these injections? So I just talked to you about like blocking off blood flow a few minutes ago. If blood flow is blocked off to whatever area of the face, what can happen is called necrosis. Necrosis is tissue death. So that just means like blood cannot flow to that area. You can't get like healthy perfusion, like healthy skin. The skin is not getting blood flow. It's not getting oxygen at that point. So the tissue like can die. So that's a big thing that can happen. Blindness, again, super rare. I'm not trying to freak people out, but this this can happen if um, we're blocking off blood flow to the eyes. That can there's different parts of the face and people be like, well, what's a safe area to inject? Or my lips, like it, this can happen anywhere in the face. So there's no like safe area as, as I, when I inject, I consider the whole face is like, there's a risk for it as we do it. So really just trying to minimize those risks by not overfilling the area, making sure your patients are aware of what to look for after so that they can call you if there is an emergency and then being able to like be equipped to like intervene if needed and like dissolve and break down the filler. Wow. Yeah. I think it's important to mention that, that to let your patients know what to look for, because right now I would have no idea what to look for. So I think that's important, just like with any surgery, how they tell you what to look for. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I think, yeah, we, I tell all my patients, I tell them before they even come in clinic. I tell them when they're at clinic. I tell them after we finish the treatment, uh, my team, we send them post-care audit and like we check in everything. Again, we've never had a deal with any of this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. But I tell like these are the risks and this is what I'm thinking about with every poke I take. Like this is what I'm looking for. I show them, hey, this is what I want. You know, this is what your um, skin should look like after. This is when I'm looking at your lips, like the lips should be their normal colors. I don't want it white. It's like white. That means like, hey, blood cannot flow to that area. Like it's white because red blood flow is not getting there. 
definitely like just having those conversations and making sure the patients are educated. I probably talk way too much to my patients and it's probably annoying, but I tell them like it's it's your first time. You don't even know what's going on. Like there is a lot of thought behind it. And I I want them to to know that it's not, again, it's not random. This is not just me being like, I'm going to get you these cute lips, which yes, we're going for, but there's like a lot of stuff going on in the background and in the back of my mind as I'm doing it. No, that's so good because really you're just helping your patients make a more informed decision because you're giving them all the information. Super important. So are there any misconceptions about filler and Botox that like you commonly hear? Yeah. I mean, and the ones I'm seeing, like they have consumed a lot of my stuff typically online on social media. So they're pretty informed. But I will say in general, well, I hear this a lot. So I told you I treat a lot of black and brown patients and I'll hear quite often like, I never knew like black girls were getting this. I've never seen an Indian woman get filler. And then on your page, you had somebody. I never knew X, Y, like their group got this. Somebody they identify got this. Like I didn't know this was for us. And then on my page, like they can scroll through. You can see you're going to find somebody that looks like you on my page. Yes. And um, that's like, I try to like really highlight. I just want like regular people. I don't need, I mean, I love you know, influencers. Great. Cool. But that that's not like my thing. Like my patients are... This is like real. Like these are my patients. These are their before and afters. They're sending me their selfies. This is what they look in real life now after. These are the conversations that we're having. You know, sometimes a lot of times patients will let us uh, record and they'll let me ask them questions so that we can share. Because I'm really trying to like educate and dispel that, you know, these treatments aren't for black and brown women. And I, again, I'm seeing it more, way more now, which I'm so thankful for. Just, you know, more diversity in the, in the space. But in the beginning, like when I was injecting for the first several years, I could probably count like how many minority women I saw like in a year, like on one hand, just because I don't think the, uh, I don't think the companies were like marketing to us. I don't think, I think people didn't identify with it. Like black and brown people were like, oh, that's not for us. That's for this other group of women. That's not, that doesn't look like us. And now they, they see. So that's a big one that I would say. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that and that you highlight that because that is one of the things that drew me to you was just because I know I mentioned my cousin had gotten some filler and Botox, but outside of that, I really don't know many black and brown women that have got it. And I saw on your page that you do have a lot. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I definitely want to have her on because I think that I don't want to say, I guess, like you said, it's a misconception because I've Mm -hmm. always thought that too. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm really thankful that like my patients will like share this. And a lot of times they're like, I'm willing to share because I didn't know until I saw that person doing it. And like, I want to let other people know that this is okay. And this is for us. And we don't look crazy. We look like ourselves. We look refreshed. Like, I think that's the other big conception is like, oh my gosh, if you get Botox and filler, you're going to look plastic. You're going to look fake. You're going to look X, Y, and Z. People, think that because we can identify stuff that looks bad like if it looks (laughs) off like we can all notice that when it looks good you wouldn't know like you wouldn't know and and that's why when I post like my before and afters they always get so much attention I'm not trying to be like oh my gosh I get attention on this but it's people like I I didn't know you look like that haggard (laughs) I, I look beat up like after breastfeeding and after pregnancy, I lost a lot of fat in my face. And that's when I that's when I was just like, I don't even look like myself that I'm used to seeing. And so that's when I started getting my cosmetic injections. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, I'm not going to try to do something to not look like me. I also don't want to look crazy. Like I want to look like me, but um, not like beat up, haggard me. Those are the two big ones I would I would say that um, I'm always just trying to like educate and show real people doing this. They look like themselves. Here's their selfie after. Here's their immediate before and after. Here's them answering questions about the procedure, why they did it, how they feel. Just so people can know it's like regular, real people. Like when I was starting out in this, I thought it was only something for celebrities that were super rich and white. <laughs> like that's what I thought. And I think people still might think that way, but um that's why I try to show real people. Like I'm like I said, influencers are cool, but that's not my thing where I'm just like, let's do influencer treatment all the time. That's not me. I'm like my people, my patients are my influencers, like because they're real <laughs> and that's what's going on. So I love that because it makes it way more relatable. It can be like, okay, so the busy mom at home is like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to go get Botox. Like I see that it's not just for rich celebrities. So I love that because it's more relatable. 
Yeah, it's real for sure. Okay, so for someone who is not quite ready to try filler or Botox, do you have any skin hacks or products that you would suggest for anti-aging or just getting a more refreshed look? Definitely. So I tell patients like things that you can, if you are just going to do the bare minimum and you're like, I don't have time, I'm busy, I don't even really care that much. I'm definitely not trying to get needles in my face. Like the two things, like if you can just use some sunblock and a retinoid, that will take you far in life. Those are going to be like our most studied dermatology medications. Those are going to just do the most for us. Um, It's not like you put this on one time and, oh my gosh, my face is overnight. It's not like that. These are something we're going to be using consistently for years and years and years forever. Your sunscreen is going to help prevent you know, hyperpigmentation. And this is something I see in black and brown women and men every day that come in. I have these, like, we're already black, but there's like, I got these dark spots. Like, what's this dark patch on my face? A lot of times it's like on their left side where we're getting sun exposure. They're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, do you wear sunscreen? They're like, no. I'm like, I know. But like, we too, we can like get hyperpigmentation or we want to be careful with that. So that's sunscreen is going to be your first. And the other thing, if you can add in is a retinoid. Retinol is going to help turn over our skin cells faster. It helps treat fine lines, pore size, texture, acne, acne scarring, hyperpigmentation. It helps stimulate collagen. So that is something that you can do at night. Uh, you want to definitely make sure you're using your sunscreen in the morning because you're getting like fresh, renewed skin with the retinoid as it's turning over your, your skin cells faster. Do it at night. I tell patients to start like twice a week, maybe three times a week, see how their skin tolerates it. And then slowly they can increase to doing it four, five, six times a week. Some people can tolerate doing it daily with the retinoid since it's turning the skin cells over faster. It's going to make you a little bit more dry, itchy, a little bit red. So that's why I tell people ease into it. So you're not just like throwing this on your face. If you if you do too much, usually patients get irritated and they don't, and they're like, oh, that that made me get itchy. That made me get red or that made me break out. And then they stop, but they're really missing out on the benefits of it. So that's what I'll tell patients. Is tre- I have- oh, go ahead. Yeah, tretinoin. Oh, is that a retinoid, right? Or- yes. Okay. And there's different levels. So there's stuff you can buy, you know, at the makeup store. There's there's more like medical grade where we can use a higher percentage of the active ingredients. And then there's prescription ones. So there's different levels. I say, see what your skin can tolerate. Use one that you're going to be consistent with. And that's the same for sunscreen as well. So I have a skincare line in my office. It's called Jossie, J-A-S-I, Jossie Skin. Dot com is where I have stuff. Uh, I try not to make this like super complicated and I, I don't even carry a ton of items because I tell patients like, first of all, I'm busy. I don't even have time for like a 20 step line, but that's amazing for people that can do it. <laughs> but, um, I'm like, if, if I can only get you to do the two basics, that's what I'm going to ask my patients to do. And especially if you're going to be like investing in getting cosmetic treatments, you got to do your part at home and like maintaining your skin because if your skin health is like off and you're getting these injectables, that also could look weird. Like your skin doesn't look great, but your face is, it looks a little off. So I tell patients, we got to like, that's the foundation. You do your part. I can help in, in clinic with like other treatments to boost your effects of your skincare, but it's important that they're, you know, doing their maintenance. And that makes sense. I'm also all about the simple routine. Like I remember I tried something and it had like eight steps and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. But I, that's just too much, but I can do something that just has a few, the yeah. cleansing, the serum, the moisturizer, like a retinoid, like it, yeah, I can't do like this long drawn out process. <laughs> that's, I'm with you right there. And a lot of times, like, I mean, those are fine. I, I commend people that do it or they get like, that makes them relax and they're happy. I, I just don't have the time and I don't, I'm just like, shoot, like what's going to be effective and that's it. And like, that's how I want it for my patients. Like I, we, I can always add on steps because I have things, but not 20 steps, but um, I'm just like, what's going to be effective and quick and that we can use long-term to see like, you know, maintain our, our health, skin health. Right. Cause it's like, are we going to be consistent is the thing. It's like, if we have a, I know for me for a long routine, I won't be, but the more simple, the more consistent. And also I just have like sensitive skin anyway. And I, because I've been in this for so long, like 
we get so many skincare lines thrown at us, like, come get our products. And so I, I have messed myself up in the past by just like trying so many things at once and not knowing what's breaking me out and what's causing X, Y, and Z. And like, I found that just like the more simple, <laughs> the better. So I'm with you right there. Yes. So I wanted to say you have amazing skin. Can you share your skincare routine? I know you said you have your line. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. part of it, but if you can share. Yeah. So I use, well, Right now I'm pregnant, but I can't use a retinoid. You can't use retinoid if you're pregnant, but I that's what I was using prior to it. I'm using, the, I have a vitamin C in the line that I use. I use um, a sunscreen. It's a mineral-based sunscreen and it, it shows up clear and not white. Oh my gosh, you have to drop it. That's, this is with your line? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's yeah, important. That's the biggest <laughs> thing for me because all of them are made me look white. So same. that's the one I really like. And that's easy to use. Um, almost feels like a primer on the skin, honestly. So right now I'm just doing pretty basic. But when I am not pregnant, I have the retinoid in. Um, and then I have like a calming serum in there that I like for sometimes after the retinoid. Like I'll tell you, I'll get a little itchy too. I'll use like a calming serum there. Nice. So I actually need to check out your sunscreen because like you said that's also my issue. A lot of them leave this white cast. Even if it's subtle, it's noticeable, especially if I go on Zoom and I'm like, oh my gosh, like maybe I didn't notice because my lighting wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. But I go on Zoom and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a white cast okay. in my face. I know. And it's it just sucks because I'm like most again, most of my patients look like me. And so I'm like, we're all trying to like figure out the best one. And then the tinted ones, you know, that's a whole nother that doesn't work. Like this is there's no universal tint that's working on us. So it's that was been that was my struggle. And that's like what I set out to really work on. Yeah, I love that you saw the need and then you went and created it um so that your patients can have that. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So how can we all find you to see your work or even just book an appointment with you, assuming that you're taking new clients? Sure. So if you can go to my website, JanilleBeauty.com. So G-I-N-I-L-L-E Beauty.com. That like, if you really want to see like the real, it's go to my TikTok. My Instagram page has like some good highlights. My TikTok, I try to, I try to update daily. Um, and that's where I just have the most information, the most patient, like that's where my patients are finding me and flying from everywhere. I have patients from South Africa, Qatar. I have patients from Thailand. I've seen patients from from and definitely all over the U.S. Every single day I get somebody that flies in from another state and definitely driving from all over California, but it's because of TikTok, which is, that's where I find my people. And um, I'm really thankful because like I said, the one, those patients, they get my aesthetic, they get my style. We are on the same page. My TikTok and Instagram is my name. So Janille, G-I-N-I-L-L-E underscore N-P for nurse practitioner. And then I will do like virtual consults with patients just so they can prep and like be before they come in, they know what to expect. We can talk through questions. We can, you know, go through any concerns, talk about their goals. I'll tell them, you know, here's what I want you to avoid before you come in. Here's what I want you to take before you come in. Here's what it's going to look like on that day of, oh, when you fly in, I, I don't want you leaving right after your injections because if there's an emergency, I need to see you. So I ask them to stay a day. So we kind of go through everything. And then when they come in, we, you know, we'll talk again and say, hey, now that I can see you in person, this is definitely, this is where I think I didn't see this on camera, but let's talk about this little area. And then we can start our treatment. And then that just starts the journey. And I'm like, I'm with my people forever. Like I have the same old patients and I get new patients, which I'm so thankful for, but it just, this is not like a one and done thing. I'm like, we're in this, uh, we conversate, ask me questions, anything. You're going to keep getting older. And now that we started doing this one spot, you're going to look at this other spot on your face. Like use me as a resource. So I was actually curious if you could see people who didn't live in LA because I'm in Florida. So maybe when I'm ready, I'm still, you know, I don't know that I'm fully ready, but I'm really (laughs) intrigued by it. It's for me, it's the needles. That's the only thing. Do not rush it. Like I tell people, this stuff is here. It is going to be, it's going to keep being here. Um, There's great practitioners in the, you know, injecting all over, just like making sure you're spending the time and doing the research. But yeah, I see patients. I have seen patients from every state. Like, that's cool. I get a lot of New York. I get a lot of Florida. I get a lot of Texas, North Carolina. Like, and I'm very thankful. It is crazy to me, though. That's like social media for you. So, yes. And I'm, I'm just so grateful. And I have 
wonderful people that like I want to see. It's not people that are like just saying something super like that wouldn't even resonate with my style. Like they know what I'm about and we're they're like, hey, this you're the person I'd want to uh be my provider. So it's nice. It's good. It's so great both ways. That is amazing. Well I come to LA twice a year for work. So you might <laughs> once I build up the courage, you may just see me. Yeah. And then like ask me questions anytime you can call or text my team i have a couple really great assistants jackie mckenzie and they're like with me every day they hear everything i say they know a ton of info so they can like help with stuff as well i love that well thank you so much janelle i appreciate you coming on i learned so much so thank you i had a great time it's like so fun for me to talk about this oh i can tell you're so passionate Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang.